You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning. You guys doing well today? Yes, if you were, you wouldn't tell me, right? Because this is the place where we act like everything is all right, that everything is fine. Everything is good, and uh, it's not always fine. It's not always good, and that's why we need each other. That's why we need the Lord, and my hope is that as you gather in here with us today that you're not only gathering in this place, but you will continue on into one of our small groups where we can talk about how it's not really okay, but about how the Lord has given us hope, a sure hope, eternal hope, because of what he's done for us on the cross, and so... I hope that today, as we look into the Word, that the Lord would pierce all of our hearts with the truth of the Gospel, that we'd be changed from the inside out, and that we would be more apt to be real about where we are because it shows our continual continual dependence upon the Lord, and that's when He receives the glory. You know, He doesn't get the glory when everything is perfect and right in our lives, everybody thinks we've got it down, when our Instagram self is taking over everybody's idea about who we really are when our putting out there to people that life is great and dandy, that's not when the Lord seems to get the most glory out of my life. It's when I'm struggling and hurting and when I'm going to Him regularly and when I'm asking others to pray for me and when we rejoice in His providence and His provision, even in the midst of difficult times. And I don't know if you've recognized it or not, but as I have talked with friends across the country and as I have... uh, worked with different churches over the years, and as I have served in this church even, and across our landscape here in Etowah County even, uh, there is a crisis in churches. And the crisis is one that can be solved, but it's one that must be solved by people that are willing to take a step in a direction that they may never have thought they would be in. And that crisis is a crisis of leadership. I'm not going to sit here and do a sermon about leaders in the sense of telling you that you need to be a better leader, you need to try harder, that you've got to do something different about what you do because that'll make you a better leader in front of others and that'll elevate your status. In fact, I'm going to tell you the complete opposite. I'm going to tell you that leadership is hard, especially in the church. Leadership is not rewarding because of the praise or accolades that you get generally in the church. And it's something that you should be called to, but I have news for you, just in case you're already wanting to check out today. Every single one of us has been called to be a leader in some aspect in the body of Christ. Because every one of us has been called, just like the earliest disciples were called by Jesus, as it's recorded in Matthew 4.19, where he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Every one of us is called to become a fisher of men, to lead other people to Jesus. And the beautiful part about it is, is that Jesus promises us that he says, you've come and follow me, and that's stepping into salvation, stepping into relationship with him, to be with him face to face. And he promises us from there that he will do the hard work of shaping and molding you into the people you need to become in order to be the leaders leading other people to Jesus. But every one of us, should be listening to this today wondering how should I repent of sin or repent of my my not being 
committed to a certain area that God is leading me to. There's something in you that God will press into you because every time we look into the Word of God, the grand gospel, the good news about Jesus is all of it points to Jesus. God wants to shape and change you more into that image of Christ because He loves you exactly where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you in that place. He wants your best life for all eternity, and that was provided for you in Jesus. So let's look in the Word today. And let's see how we can watch God overcome the crisis in our church for leaders. And he's doing that. We're celebrating that today with new leaders that are stepping up to be leading in our church. We're going to look in Acts chapter 20. If you would turn to Acts chapter 20, you might notice I'm not drinking water today. I need a little extra hiccup in my step. Anybody else like that today? I knew I could count on Eugene. Thank you for, for being honest. Everybody else just laughs, like, oh, not me, I'm, I've got it down, I'm good, you know. Acts 20, 17, we'll address you later, those that didn't admit it, okay? We'll come, to you. We'll come back to you, so get ready for that. Acts 20, we're going to start in verse 17. Now, if you didn't know this, over the last three years, we've spent a significant amount of time, I think it's been over 30 sermons, walking through the letter from Paul to the church at Ephesus, and... Uh, this letter is, is Paul's writing, caring for the church at Ephesus. We're, we're going to finish that up in, in starting next week with a really great series on spiritual warfare. It's going to be very, very good for us, I think. But as we get ready to do that, and we're talking about leadership, and we're ordaining some new leaders in our church, I thought it was appropriate to skip fast forward a little bit, to skip ahead, and come to the place where Paul is on his way to Rome, where he knows the end is probably in sight. And he knows, I will never see these guys again. So when he comes to Miletus, he calls for the Ephesian elders to come out, and he wants to talk to them. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing today. You should read the whole thing. It is very enlightening about what he tells that church leadership to expect. But he calls them to come out to him, and he's going to talk to them for a, for a couple of minutes, and he's going to pray with them. He's going to depart to never see them face to face in this life again. And so it's a very big moment. It's one of those moments where if you knew it was your last words to somebody you love deeply, you'd be careful and say exactly what you mean to say, and you would not use, you would not lose the opportunity to speak the biggest and most important things that you could say to those that you love and you've cared for and watched rise up in the faith. And so as he picks it up and begins this, we'll, we'll see it in verse 17. We're just going through verse 21. Your homework is to read all the way through the end of the chapter and get the bigger picture when you go home. But for right now, let's just pick up verse 17, chapter 20 in Acts. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, how easy it is to read your word and to let it go in our eyes and out of our mouth and not stay, that we would not steep in it, is often the case. 
Father, we pray now that you would not allow that to happen. We ask you, Father, because you love us, and you've proven that by sending Jesus, your one and only Son, to die for us on the cross. So we know you love us. We ask you, because you love us, would you please press this truth, these truths here into our hearts that we might be changed by it so that you might receive more glory in our lives, in our words, in our actions, in our behaviors, in our thoughts, in our dreams. And Lord, that we might look more like Jesus, for in that we will find joy. But we love you. We often walk not face to face with you. So Lord, please draw us in close to you now, that we would be changed forever in this moment according to your word, by the power of your spirit, for your glory, for your son's fame, and for our joy. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read it one more time, 17 through 21. Now, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you five major traits of church leaders, healthy church leaders, but really this is five traits of people that are being shaped into the image of Christ, and so that's for all of us. We're specifically talking about leaders because we are going to be celebrating what God has done and calling out some of our leaders to become our deacons here at our church to help lead us and help to care for our faith family. But this applies to all of us. So I have five traits of what it means that you and I should be becoming. So let's look at just the first in verse 18, he says, when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. So we did notice first here in this very verse, we see healthy church leaders demonstrating a transparent integrity, a transparent integrity and in gospel community, just like Jesus did. Jesus lived amongst other people. He was Always the same person, day in and day out with them. He was straightforward with them. He did not hold back from them. In fact, often when he was asked questions, he didn't always give the answer they wanted. He would oftentimes answer them with a question or answer them in a way they did not expect. But he spent three years with those closest to him in community, rich, deep, genuine, authentic community. And we see that Paul here is exhibiting the same thing. Look at the words again. When they came to him, he said, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. It is imperative, leaders, men who are being ordained today, that you understand that in order to live life in the way that exhibits Christ, we must live in transparent integrity in community with other believers. We cannot be isolated. You cannot take a leadership position in this church and isolate yourself from the body of Christ and be walking in the same way that Jesus walked. He calls the church his bride because he loves her so much. He died on the cross, not just for every individual, but the church 
the church as a whole, his bride. He died for his bride so that he could bring his bride to be with him forever. And he resides in us through the Holy Spirit to always be with us, to lead us, to guide us, to change us, so that we will be showing him in all we do and all we say. And on this earth, he exhibited authentic, relational integrity, transparent integrity the entire time. Now, that did not mean that others did not call him out by name in other ways. They called him a drunkard because he hung out and drank wine with some of the folks that were drinking wine. He called him a glutton because he was at the parties eating food where other people were eating. But he never sinned, and we know that. And so it doesn't matter what people are going to say about you. You need to walk with transparent integrity. It is easy. I can say this firsthand. It is easy when you are being called out or accused or people are saying things about you to pull back and to totally isolate yourself because it feels safer that way. That is not the way of Jesus. Thankfully, Jesus, when he was cried out, jeers, and called out to crucify him, he didn't just whisk himself away and separate emotionally or physically from the people that were trying to kill him because those are the ones he came to save. He engaged. He endured. And he was real up until the very end of his life and then even after his resurrection. We saw him burst forth with power and victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell, but never once in any way being other than loving towards those who were his. Generous towards those who were not always where they should be. How often has the Lord been kind to us? Transparent integrity is only transparent in the context of community. And we as Christians must be real with one another and real wherever we walk. Look at verse 19. He says that verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Healthy church leaders demonstrate that transparent integrity always being in context of gospel community. And we also see that healthy church leaders have a servant's heart. You see that right at the beginning of that verse. Look at it again. Serving the Lord. To be a leader means to be a servant. Any other way that you understand leadership is not the leadership that the Bible describes. The way I like to talk about it here is that we as leaders in this church should see ourselves as not at the top of some triangle showing our organizational hierarchy in this way, but instead take that triangle, flip it upside down, and those who are what are known as, to many as the top leaders are actually the bottom servants who are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that those at the top of that funnel are able to go out and do the ministry of the kingdom most effectively. We are here to serve you and to serve our community for the sake of Christ. That is our calling. Any other idea about leadership is a wrong and upside-down view of leadership according to Scripture. Even Jesus demonstrated this kind of calling. Matthew 20, 25 through 28, Jesus called them to him, to the disciples, and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them? By the way, this is when the two brothers are trying to vie for position next to him in the kingdom to come. He says, hey, can we be on your right and on your left? And some uh, parts of Scripture say that their mom was actually vying for that. And he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them? It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant." And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. 
even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What strong language. You aspire to be a leader, then you aspire to be a servant to the Lord and to the body. That is our calling. Everything that we do should be for the glory of God and for the edification, the building up of the church. It doesn't mean it's always going to be the popular choice, but it means it will always be for God's glory, for his name, and it will be for this body of Christ to be built up and for the kingdom to expand in this place. Notice how he describes this type of servant leadership. He describes it with three different words or phrases. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happen to me through the plots of the Jews. Let's break each one of those down just briefly, if you would allow me. Leaders that we're talking about are humble like Jesus. I want to give you a passage of scripture. I want you just for a second. This is super dangerous. They tell you in in preaching class and in in speech class and stuff, they don't do this. Okay, so I'm trusting you. I know it was a long night for some of you. I know it's been a hard week for some of you. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Okay, don't go to sleep. Close your eyes. You can go to sleep after this, but not right now. Just close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to stop doing anything else you're doing, and I want you to let the Word of God wash over you and refresh your soul. Let it ebb and flow into your souls to bring you to adoration and worship in this moment. Philippians 2, verse 5 and on. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he, the Son of God, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. Praise be the King who deserves all glory, whose Son of God humbled Himself to become a servant to us, even to the point of death. This is the model for serving and leading the church. This is our Savior, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can open your eyes again. Humble like Jesus. That's what we're called to humility. If you wonder what that looks like in any given situation, go read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Should solve it for us. Secondly, they are loving and compassionate. Leaders are loving and compassionate as servants. Look at that again. It says here, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. These tears are most often seen as compassionate and loving as coming from Jesus. And Paul, I believe, the same. I don't have a lot quoted from Paul himself here. In fact, I'm not going to give you any from him. But you will see as you look at other verses where it talks about that he admonished 
his brothers, the Jews, with tears. At one point, he even says in the scriptures, he writes down that he wished that he could be a curse for the sake of his brethren. It means he wishes he could go to hell so his Jewish brethren could be in eternal life. That is great humility and great compassion. But Jesus shows us even greater compassion. John eleven thirty two. 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, he waited. He heard that her brother Lazarus was dead. And he waited four days to make sure that everybody knew that he was completely dead. Because back then they thought if you were just three days dead, you might still not be fully dead. So they knew he was dead without a doubt. And she's saying, if you'd have been here, you could have saved him. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. I cannot get beyond those words. The reason is because he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He goes right to the tomb and he calls out Lazarus by name. And Lazarus raises up from the dead, comes out, they unbind him, and he is alive. He knew what he was about to do. Had it been me, I would have said, oh, Mary, <laughs> Martha, hang on, just wait, watch this. I'd have been excited, gleeful. But Jesus does not. He sees their brokenness. It says he was deeply moved in his spirit when he saw her weeping. And he was greatly troubled. And he wept with them. We serve a God who could have just wiped us off the face of the earth when we failed to do what we were called to do, which is to image him correctly in every moment of every day. Instead, we have a God, the Son, who decided to come and give his life because he loved us so much. He wanted to die for us. The Father would, would lead him out to come and die on the cross for us because he loved us so much. Not because he gets something better for himself that he didn't already have. He's, not, he's without nothing. He has all that he needs. He is full of joy and love and glory without us. But he wants to love us out of the overflow of love in his heart for us. He loved us so much that he sent us Jesus. And that compassion and that love needs to be what we have for the church. And it is hard. It is difficult. It will bring you to tears if you do it right. But that's what it means to be a leader in the body of Christ. Humbly, loving, and compassionate. Lastly, in this particular part, he says, Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. The trials... Leaders persevere through trials like Jesus, who went on the ultimate trial to the point of his death. A couple of trials even getting there, and then was crucified after being beaten, flogged, made fun of. And he died on the cross under the greatest of trials. Robert Murray McShane, a pastor that did not live past the age of 30, I do not believe, said, A soldier of the cross must endure hardness. It means all of us. Because in the Scriptures in 2 Timothy 2, this is where Robert gets this, he says, share in suffering, Paul says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I want you to hear this. No one who is becoming like Jesus should expect to escape suffering. I want you to hear these words again because there are many, many preachers 
They're proclaimers of a different gospel that tell you the opposite of that. I want you to hear this truth. No one who follows Jesus should expect to evade suffering. That is not the gospel of Jesus if you hear something that says that you will escape suffering if you become a believer. Jesus says the road is hard. The way is difficult. Jesus himself suffered to the point of death on the cross. Why would we think if we're being shaped into his image, we would be any different? Let me say it this way. God will not keep you from anything he intends to use to shape you into the image of Christ Jesus. Even if it's laced with suffering. He will not keep you from anything that he intends to use to shape you into the image of Jesus because he loves you too much to leave you where you are. And at the end of it, he will say to you, wasn't that suffering glorious for how it made you look more like Jesus and will bring you more weight of glory in his presence? And we can't understand how that works now, but it is the truth of Scripture poured over and over again. Listen to Paul's trials in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11 briefly. But we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. He's saying, I was so overwhelmed in the situation we're in that I just thought it'd be better to be dead. I wish my death were upon me. We did not think we would make it. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, he says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Do you, do you hear that? <laughs> Listen to it again. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He said, we couldn't get out of the situation. We couldn't overcome it. We thought death was imminent. But that was to make us rely on God who overcomes everything and can even raise the dead. That's what it was for. For us to recognize we worship a holy, great, awesome God who overcomes death. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us, He says. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. You hear that, church? You should be praying for the leaders of this faith family regularly because it is upon their, your prayers that God will lead them through whatever difficulties may come. He says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You see, the more that pray, the more that see the need, the more that pray and petition God for help in these situations, the more God will get glory when he answers those prayers and we worship him, more will do that. And so the more glory he receives through more people. So let us all pray for the leaders of this faith family. Let us all pray for the leaders of our denomination, for the leaders of churches across our land. Let's pray for the leaders in the churches in Etowah County. Let's pray for all of them. We want all of them to be successful for the kingdom. But let's specifically pray for our leaders here, which we're going to do today. Healthy church leaders serve like this because they serve like Jesus. Look at verse 20, back in Acts chapter 20. He says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. You see, healthy church leaders 
stand firm on the word of God. Not just when it's easy, but whenever it's best to speak it out. Matthew 4, verse 1 through 4, we see Jesus doing the same thing. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, and by, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is where we live. This is a... This... This is more important, he's saying, than food. Even after 40 days without it, this is still more important than food. That's what he's saying. You and I must understand that as those who are seeking to become leaders in the church, called by God to be leaders in the church, or just to be people leading people to Jesus, this is what we need more than anything. If the question is, how much time are we spending to know God and to love Him and enjoy Him and to get to know how to serve Him in a way that gives Him honor and glory? How much time are we spending daily in that? Oh, but we could spend more. You may think, well, I spend a lot. That's great. Then you must have a very tight walk with the Lord. But we're not perfect yet, no matter how much time we spend there. So when you have opportunity, do that. Because we need more church leaders who stand firm on the Word of God like Jesus. Come back to that in a second. He goes on in verse 20, if you remember, and he says here, I didn't shrink back from declaring anything to you that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. You see, healthy church leaders speak the truth in love at every opportunity like Jesus. They speak the truth in love. It's not easy, but they do it because they love the church. They do it because they love God. And so speaking that truth in love is very important. In fact, that speaking the truth in love comes directly from Ephesians 4. 15 and 16, we've been there not long ago. Rather, speaking the truth in love, Paul says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In other words, the way you grow as the church is by speaking the truth to one another in love. So if we're not doing that, we're not going to grow like we should as the church, personally, corporately. So, so here's the picture. If, if you really love the people you're sitting with, you will speak the truth to them in love, and that means in the hard moments when it's not easy to do so. You'll say the hard things because you love them. You will say the things that need to be said because it's difficult and it has to happen because you love them and you want them to be drawn closer and closer to Jesus. John Piper says it well. He says, at its core, talking about speaking the truth in love, at its core, we speak the truth in love when we care enough to speak the gospel into the lives of those around us. This is God's everyday calling for every Christian, including Sundays. To speak the truth in love, we first have to know the truth, though, don't we? Daily intake of the word of God is essential to our lives as Christians, and especially for those who lead the church. In the moments when truth must be spoken, healthy church leaders do not remain silent. Just the truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you did not remain silent, even though you're speaking the truth led to your death on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Help us to speak the truth in love, no matter the consequences for us. 
We need more healthy church leaders who are willing and able to speak the truth in love. Look at verse 21 as we come to a close. Testifying, so how did I, how I did not shrink back from declaring you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, healthy church leaders, this is going to get hard, are you ready? Healthy people that love Jesus, that are leading others to Jesus, healthy church leaders, proclaim the gospel regularly, just like Jesus did. 2 Timothy 4, 5, you may say, well, that's not my thing. I'm not good at that. It's okay. Paul tells Timothy, he says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. So in other words, you don't have that gift, but do it anyway. Fulfill your ministry, he says. Or Jesus says in Matthew 4, 19, I already said earlier, follow me and I will make you, he said, I'm going to do it, fishers of men. He's going to do the heavy lifting, but we need to be obedient and follow him, be obedient, walk with him, and he will shape you and change you into the person you need to be. So here's the way you can see this part of this passage. You can see it like this. To everybody here who's a Christian, you can see it this way. Preach the gospel to yourself first regularly. Wake up, tell yourself the gospel. When you struggle, tell yourself the gospel. When you're suffering, tell yourself the gospel. When things are good, tell yourself the gospel. And then preach the gospel to those inside the church regularly. In the context of that transparent, integrity, gospel fellowship, you're going to preach or proclaim. Preach just means proclaim. Proclaim the gospel to your brothers and sisters. When they're hurting, talk about the gospel. That's where we find our hope. It's not in that it's going to be over in one day. It's that we're going to be with God one day and he takes it all away because he's already won the victory over it. And Satan, sin, death, and hell have been defeated. Preach the gospel to one another regularly. Some people I've heard before say, I already got that. I need deeper things. There is nothing deeper than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more. That's why Paul looks at the Corinthians and said, For I resolve to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no ending to it. It says it's something that the angels long to look into because they are just amazed. They cannot get over it. It is beyond understanding. We never get over the gospel. If you feel like you've gotten over the gospel, if you feel like it's, it's already something that's a stepping stone to something else, you've missed the entire point. The fact that we are undeserving and can never do anything to earn God's favor, that we continue to sin against Him and deserve wrath and death, and instead, God gave us His Son, Jesus, who lived the life perfectly that we could not live, who died the death that we deserve so that we could be ushered into the kingdom of God. This is glorious. And every day that I recognize my sin, I revel and I'm amazed that God would still love me. And he does, not because I'm perfect or I do better, but because Jesus is good enough. He's perfect for us. So preach the gospel to yourself. Preach it to those inside. Preach it to those outside. You may say, I don't know it well enough. Okay. We can fix that. We're going to toast up time right a little bit. Stop scrolling the news feed or stop watching the 24-hour news cycle. And instead, spend a few extra minutes reading the scriptures and understanding the gospel. And God will bring it to your mind as you need it. He tells those that are worried about persecution, don't worry when you go before the courts because when the time comes, I'll give you the words to say by the Holy Spirit. But let us permeate ourselves with the truth of the gospel. Healthy church leaders proclaim it in word and in deed. And listen to this calling out by Paul to the Romans. He says, Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
How will they do it? How will people that don't know Jesus call upon him? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And you may think everybody here has heard of Jesus. I run into people all the time that have heard the name of Jesus, but they don't know the real Jesus of the Bible. All the time in this place. How are they going to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That is our power. It is our calling. And so this is the thing. We need many more church leaders who live at the foot of of the cross. Today, we're going to pray for these men that are coming forward to become leaders of our church because we want them to remain at the foot of the cross. Make that part of your prayer, that they would be ever at the foot of the cross. And when our eyes dart away and when we begin to gravitate somewhere else, that the Holy Spirit and our friends and our community would grab us and refocus us back to the face of Jesus. We need more church leaders who are gospel-saturated, who bleed Jesus when you cut them. That when you sit around them, they shouldn't be a leader in this church. If you sit down with somebody in this church that's a leader and they don't talk about Jesus after two or three times sitting with them for more than 30 minutes and you don't hear Jesus out of them at all, if all you hear is Alabama football or Auburn football or all you hear is about work or family, but you don't ever hear Jesus, we've got a problem, brothers. We have a problem. We are to be Jesus-saturated people. And all it takes is turning our eyes to Him. Because, Lord, we need You. Amen? Lord, we need You. For You are our only hope. You are this church's only hope, Lord Jesus. You are this world's only hope, Lord Jesus. So come, Lord Jesus, and fill us with love for You and love for one another humility and service that we might make much of you as we come to the foot of the cross this morning. That's my hope, my prayer. I'm going to pray for us now. When I'm done, our uh, new chairman of deacons, Chris Cornett, have you seen a lot this morning? Just worked out that way. He's going to come up and help us get ready to pray over some of these guys. And let me just tell you, two of the guys are guys that have been serving for a year, but because of COVID, we could not do an ordination ceremony where we laid hands on them. But we're going to do that today. And for some of you, are like, what do you mean lay hands on? I mean, we're not getting weird. It's something in the Bible that talks about when people commit to the Lord and God calls them out to service, we lay hands on them as we pray for them. We just lay hands on them. And it's just us saying that we believe God has done that and we touch them as we pray for them. And we're going to ask them to come up and their wives, if they're able to, to come up here with them and to stand with them. And while their husbands, we're going to seat the guys down. A couple of guys might need that and other guys might uh, need it after they get overwhelmed. Sometimes overwhelming as guys pray over you like this. But I want you to know that your job in this is not to leave because your time's done, you think. Your job is to begin that prayer time. Praying for these men, praying for their families. Because as we'll learn even next week and the weeks after, If they are stepping up into leadership to serve this body, the enemy will come against them. Pray for them to remain at the foot of the cross. Let me pray now, and then we'll get ready to do that together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. Father, I thank you because you love us so much that you would send us Jesus, who has led us all to the promised land through his death on the cross. Lord, we need 
your son Jesus, not just for salvation, but for every moment we need him. We need you, Lord, to lead us by your spirit. We need you to work in us, to convict us of sin. We need you to draw our hearts back to you, to draw our eyes back to your face. Lord, it is not easy. It is difficult to serve this faith family or any faith family and to serve you. It is always going to have its times of difficulty. But, Lord, you are worth it, and your bride is worth it. So, Lord, I pray today that as we lay hands on these men who are called out by this body and who have been shown to be approved through testing and who have shown that through the Spirit of God unifying the body of leaders here to say, yes, these men are called to be leaders for us, that you would use this time to set up a a reminder for them that the days that it's hard, they will hearken back to this moment and remember that you called them out and that this church confirmed it. And Lord, we want we want you to get the glory and your kingdom to expand. But right now we ask that you build you build lives in these families, starting with these men, their wives, their families would be built up in the faith so that they would be servants that would emulate Jesus in everything they do. And Lord, for anyone here who has not yet put their hope and faith in Jesus, I pray this morning you would not let them escape this place or the grip of your Holy Spirit, that they would turn and repent of sin and lean into Jesus in faith and come to faith. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, above all things. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet. And we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.